Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the SteelCurtain.com with you for a very weird and strange Monday Let's Ride podcast that is not about the game that was. It's about the game that is coming up. I cannot stand Monday night football games only from the perspective that I feel like a crotchety old man. Yeah, I'm only 38. 38 years old, but with this job... Yeah, that means like late, late nights. I really don't like night games. I love the one o'clock starts. Give me the traditional start time. Uh, it just seems to make my life a heck of a lot easier. But I also realize there's a lot of people out there that do not get to see the Steelers every Sunday or Thursday or Monday like I do. And this is an opportunity for them to sit down at their home and watch the game. So for that, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful that all the, the Steelers fan base gets to watch. What's going to happen? In case you missed my Friday show, I outlined exactly what this is going to look like this week as you're talking about, okay, normally we get the winners and losers. We tell you Jeff recaps the game. They're playing on Monday night. So this is going to be a, a you know, regular Let's Ride podcast for Monday. It's going to have a very short shelf life, shelf life, which I hate. Nonetheless, it is what it is. Tomorrow, Tuesday, I'm going to be providing you at 9 a.m. Eastern time in the morning a special winners and losers podcast. You will not get... Uh, everything that you normally do with my normal breakdowns, but you will get who I have on my winners and losers list that will accompany the article on the website every single day after the game, in this case, Tuesday. Before we go any further, I want to make sure I plug, like I always do, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers and also your podcast platform of choice, whatever that is, Google Podcast, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, you name it. Search Behind the Steel Curtain, search Steelers, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. Okay, so it's Monday. The Steelers play on Monday night, 9 p.m. It's not 9 p.m., it's like 8.15. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. It's late, and we have to talk about what the Steelers need to do to get the W against the Chicago Bears at Heinz Field with the color rush and all that good stuff. Now, before we do that, I want to get into some uh, random thoughts. This is something I started to do on Fridays, and I wanted to continue that with this podcast. And so random thoughts. So today, uh, I'm recording this on Sunday night. So the the Steelers fan base is kind of up in a tizzy in, in a way, based on the fact that Quincy Roche, six-round draft pick out of the University of Miami, uh, he was released. They were hoping to probably stash him on the practice squad. He didn't got picked up by the New York Giants. He had a game-winning sack fumble, I believe, forced fumble, a sack fumble uh, for the Giants against the Las Vegas Raiders, and a lot of people were like, oh, gosh, I can't believe it. I don't think the Steelers can – you can't regret these decisions. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and they probably felt that Roche wasn't going to be able to contribute much this year. They felt that Jameer Jones was. Now, when you talk about they get rid of – they cut Roche – they hope to get him on the practice squad. No, picked up by the Giants. So they have Jameer Jones. Then they cut Jameer Jones. Probably hope to get him on the practice squad. No. And then all of a sudden, we all know that he gets picked up by the Rams. And now suddenly the Steelers were looking for a lot of depth at the outside linebacker position, which leads them to Taco Charlton, who is now the Melvin Ingram of the defense. But I don't think I don't think that Steelers, the Steelers or even the fans should regret the decisions made. Uh, it ultimately... That they made the decision and they have to live with it. But hindsight's always twenty twenty. How about this AFC North division? Talk about completely upside down. As of 
Sunday going into Monday, here is where the division standings reside. The Baltimore Ravens, after beating the Minnesota Vikings in overtime, advanced to 6-2. and two. The Pittsburgh Steelers are now in second place at 4-3. and three. The Cleveland Browns, after beating the Bengals 41-16 in Cincinnati, are 5-4, and four, and the Bengals are 5-4 and four as well, but have the basement of the AFC North because of the head-to-head loss. They're tied with the Browns. If the Steelers win on Monday night, if they win tonight, then they will be able to advance their record to 5-3, and three, remain in second place, and only one game behind the Baltimore Ravens. And let's not forget, the Steelers still have two games against the Ravens to play. That is big. That's really, really important to remember. But, boy, this division, it's gone literally topsy-turvy. The Bengals just two weeks ago were first place. Now they're in the last place position. In two weeks, the Bengals have lost two games in a row. The New York Jets two weeks ago, this week, to the Cleveland Browns. Then they go into their bye, and after the bye, they travel to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Not an easy task. This will be fun to watch. Hopefully the Steelers can keep pace. And that brings me to... The, the game in on Monday night. And I think back to the Seattle Seahawks Sunday night game. When going into the bye week, everyone wanted to see a dominant performance. I did too. I wanted them to win with style, and they didn't. It was an ugly game, but they won. They found a way to win. They kind of overcame some adversity with the officiating at the end of the game, and they found a way to win. Nonetheless, like Al Davis used to say, just win, baby. Just win a football game. The Steelers, this game is ginormous in terms of the division. It's ginormous in terms of them keeping pace with the Ravens. It's something I talked about last week on my podcast, so make sure you check those out in case you missed it, but just win the game. Two more. I have a feeling, and this is something I'm going to talk to. Dave Schofield is going to join me in the second half of this podcast. He, I'm going to ask him about it, but this could be a coming-out party for Najee Harris. National stage, everyone's watching at home He played well against Seattle, but this could be the game where he just goes berserk. You kind of felt it. You kind of felt like it's coming. Every single week through this uh, three-game winning streak has been a little bit better, a little bit better. You're getting those Najee for two, then turns into Najee for four. Now it's Najee for six, and it's pretty much on the regular basis you're seeing these type of numbers from Najee Harris. And finally, you're you're waiting for that game that's just going to be breakout game. Hopefully it's this game on Monday Night Football. And last, the color rush seems to be special. The color rush seems to be very, very special. Uh, they're 6-1. and one. The only loss they've had in those uniforms were when they hosted the Buffalo Bills in 2019. I'll have to bring that up with Dave because I know that he, boy, he's got some bad memories from that one. He was there. It was the, the Steelers. Just It was an ugly game. The Steelers had a chance to tie it late. Hodges kept throwing a lot of interceptions, one to Tredavious White that kind of sealed things. That's their only loss in the color rush uniforms. So, hey, maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't. It depends on, I guess, your take on superstition and things like uniforms matter. The guys are excited. I'll tell you that. You Check them out on social media, whether you're talking about Joe Hayden, Najee Harris. Several others have posted about the uniforms, that they're excited to wear them. So, hey, look good, feel good, play good, right? That's how, That was the slogan back when I was back in the day. I would imagine that still rings true for these current players. Okay, so before we get into what the Steelers need to do on offense and defense to win the game, I you know what I like to do? I like to go back, and I like to look at what the Steelers needed to do the last time they played and if they accomplished those goals or not. Now, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So I go back to the Cleveland game. Week 8 in Cleveland. Here's what I said on offense, and we'll see how they did. They had to run the rock. 
Ding, ding, ding. Yes, check that one off. They did that. They did a good job running the ball, had over 100 yards rushing against a very good rush defense. And then I said, scheme to win the big play. Can they get the big play? 15 points scored does not necessarily indicate that they did get the big play, but I'm going to say ding, 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 they did get the big play. Whether it was the 50-yard catch and run by Deontay Johnson to seal the win, Pat Fryermuth's juggling catch in the back of the end zone, they got the big play when it mattered. I would even chalk Zach Gentry's 22-yard gain on first and 20 as a big play. I mean, think about that. A holding call bumps him back first and 20. The next play from scrimmage, it's a first down. That's a big play. And then lastly, protect the ball. Ding, ding, ding. Check that box. They did not turn the ball over. A good job. And I don't want to hear it from Steeler fans that say, oh, well, Ben should have been picked. He wasn't. He wasn't. Okay? So shut up about it. Next, let's go to defense. Win the turnover battle. Ding, 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 ding. That's right. They did that one as well with the fumble. Jarvis Landry's fumble that was Joe Schobert that caused the fumble in T.J. Watt. I think I said Jarvis Landry, not Landry Jones this time. Jarvis Landry's fumble. T.J. Watt recovers. That was the only turnover of the game. Went to the Steelers' way. That's important. Next, slow down the run. Ding, ding, ding. Check that box. They did that in a big way. The the Browns averaged 170 per game on the ground. The Steelers held them to under 100. I believe it was 96. And then last was pray for Baker. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. Check the box. Baker Mayfield did, did end up playing. And as I expected, he was not... He was not the decision maker. He was not the guy that was going to be the what, what was deciding the win or the loss for the Browns. I feel like if Case Keenum would have played, they had a better chance of winning. We'll never know, but pray for Baker. It worked. So let's look ahead to week nine. The Chicago Bears, Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field. Let's go over the offense first. Why? Because we always go over the offense first. First, Punish with the run. Words matter here, people. Words matter in a podcast when all you're doing is hearing me talk. Punish with the run. There have been moments where you felt like the offensive line, we're talking Kendrick Green, Dan Moore, uh, Kevin Dotson, Trey Turner, and whoever's at right tackle, Chooks for I would assume, where they kind of just, you're ready for them to just unleash it, just get it all out, just boom, punish them. That's what I want to see. Punish the Bears. They give up a ton of rushing yards anyways. Punish them with the run and dominate. Next, I want to see third down dominance. This is a statistic that often gets overlooked, but to me, I think it's almost more important than red zone. Uh, Yes, red zone conversions are very important, but the team that converts on third down the most, we're talking continuing drives, controlling the clock, running more plays, they're typically the team that wins the game. I would love to see the Steelers dominate the third down conversion that that's they've struggled there for those that listen to my winners and losers podcast you know they've struggled on third downs I'd love to see them find a way to really dominate that in uh, Monday Night Football in primetime next keep big Ben big meaning let's protect the quarterback let's give him time to make big plays but also a caveat here this might be this might be wishful thinking here this might be really wishful thinking but I wrote C. Mason. What do I mean by C. Mason? Could the Steelers win a game decisively to the point where Mason Rudolph gets in, where they say, hey, all right, Ben, this one's in the bag. Go, let's, hey, go grab your ball cap. Go grab your – hey, when I was growing up, it would, people over here in Maryland call him like a, a winter cap. 
or, you know, I, I grew up calling it a toboggan. Okay, I know it's a sled. Words can have multiple meanings, but I called it a toboggan. So Mike Thomas says, Ben, go get your toboggan, put it on, grab your parka, enjoy the rest of this game as Mason Murph goes out, out there and hands off to Benny Snell Jr. I'd love that. I would absolutely love that. So the offensive keys, punish with the run, third down dominance, keep Big Ben big, and then maybe we see Mason Rudolph. Not because of Ben's injury, hopefully, but because the the Steelers are dominating and they can take him out. Now, what about on defense? Cone in Justin Fields. This always goes back to, I remember when Dick LeBeau was the defensive coordinator for the Steelers. They were getting ready to play the Atlanta Falcons. Michael Vick was coming to town. And they asked Dick LeBeau, I forget if this was on the news or if this was on the Steelers' website, and they said, what do you have to do with a dynamic playmaker like Michael Vick? He said, you have to cone him in. And they said, could you explain that a little bit more, Coach? He said, sure. He said, when you're pass rushing, you have to keep him within those cones, in that pocket. If you rush too far, you get pushed up the arc. If you don't stay disciplined in your lanes, you give him a crease, he's going to break one. You have to cone him into the pocket and don't let him out. It takes every single person rushing, however many that is, three, four, five, if you're blitzing more, you have to cone him in. So they don't have to do that with Justin Fields. Young quarterbacks, when things break down, their first instinct, especially as mobile as Justin Fields is, is to tuck it and run. Heck, Lamar Jackson's a veteran in the league now, and he still does it. So that's going to be his instinct. You got to cone him in. Next, force the game into Fields' hands. The, the, the Bears love to run the ball. They average over 130 yards on the ground a game. This is a game where they have to say, we're going to stop the run, and if you're going to beat us, it's going to be with that rookie. He's going to do it throwing, not with his legs and not you hitting the ball off. That's what they're going to have to do. And lastly, just take the stupid ball away. I'd love to see some interceptions. The Steelers have gotten some fumble recoveries the last few weeks, but I'd love to see them take the ball away more than just one, win that turnover battle. But I, I said this on our postgame podcast on Sunday when we kind of recapped the the day that was for the AFC North uh, you know, action, and I said, I think Minka Fitzpatrick's going to have a day. I could see him get taken the ball away with an interception. I hope I'm right. I would love to see him shut up some of those doubters. So still, when I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this defense, it's, it's, get, it's Conan, Justin Fields, force the game into Fields' hands, and take the ball away. Do those things on offense and defense, and yes, you will be talking, we will be talking about a Steelers victory for another week. The winning streak going from three to four, that's what we would be talking about. All right, so in the second half, like I said, editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, Dave Schofield, is going to join me. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment. I said it in the first segment, and I'm pulling through. I said this actually on Friday. I said maybe I'll have a special guest. I do. Dave Schofield, the editor behind the Steel Curtain. I'm the senior editor, I guess, or whatever stupid name we came up with. But anyways, Dave, welcome to the show. How's it going? Um, it's going great. It's nice to know that you will forever be a senior. Yeah, there you go. You're older than I am. I'm like one of the younger guys in the squad. But anyways... <laughs> Hey, I want to ask you a question. So this was this was brought up. Um, this came from a tweet. I talked about this on my show. I think last week at some point there was a there was a you had you had seen the tweet. I know you had. 
And it was how Ben Roethlisberger in the three-game winning streak hasn't thrown an interception. I just knocked on wood for all those that are superstitious. And he's been playing very efficient ball. And I said, Ben haters are going to be really upset when they see this. And I had a couple responses from that. And one of them was a very educated guy. He said, I thought Ben should have hung it up last year. But does that make me a Ben hater? And I was like, well, I didn't think so. My, my definition was, as long as you're not rooting for Ben to, su- to suck, uh, because then you would fit your narrative. If you still want the team to win, even w- if he's doing well, like, I don't think that, what is your definition of like a Steelers hater? Oh, I, oh, okay. So I, I wasn't sure which way you're going with this question. I was getting <laughs> ready. Oh, what am I going to say about Ben Roethlisberger? I think a Steelers hater. A Steelers hater is somebody who is just always down on what's going on. You know, even they could win the friggin' Super Bowl, and five minutes later they would be like, "Oh, but they're going to lose so many players in the offseason. What are they going to do next year?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or they'll, say, or they'll, they'll say, "Oh, but they didn't run the ball well enough. They only had yeah, like 3.6 yeah. carry." <laughs> is that it's never good enough? Is that nothing? It's like I've, I I kind of talked about this type of of uh, a fan in an article in the offseason, and I, I was going to run it on Father's Day, and I didn't. We, we ran it the next day. So I took out the, the whole notion of I was kind of talking about my dad is what it was. Is that's how my <laughs> I, I, I'm like, because my dad was was that way. It's like nothing was ever good. Nothing was ever. It was all oh, they're terrible. All oh, they're bums. Oh, look at them. Screw it up. All oh, this. I'm like, do you take any joy in the team at all? To me, that's more like a Steelers. Now, my dad's not like that anymore because basically I don't put up with him being that way. So um, so he doesn't. And 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 we love talking Steelers and everything else. But to me, a Steelers hater is someone that no matter what they do, it's not good enough. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And and like you said, they have there's no joy in watching the team. And and there are people that interact with me on Twitter during the games. And I I know for a fact, last Sunday, week eight, I literally had to tell someone, like, how are you not happy right now? Yes, I know that Chris Boswell's hurt and it changes the dynamic of the game tremendously, but the Steelers are playing good football. Their defense is flying all over the place. The offense looks like they're they're capable and he finally was like, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, man, some people were just, I would, I couldn't live like that. I really couldn't. Um, yeah. But still, I'm glad you got your dad. It's always going to be side. like, oh, well, they, they never would have beat this team or they never would have beat that team with that performance. I'm like, but that's not who they were playing. They were playing the Browns and they beat them 15 to 10. Boom. Done. Well, not only that, I think there's a big difference between a hater and someone that's pessimistic. Meaning yes, my, there is. my dad and my brother are very pessimistic Steeler fans. They're the fans that, okay, like when they go to Arrowhead in a couple, in, in like a month, they, they're like, oh, this is a loss. Like, well, wait a second. How do you know it's a loss? Well, the Steelers just don't play well there, blah, blah, blah. They just don't think, they, they always see things as glass half empty. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. Everyone knows that I, I'm the homer of all homers when it comes to the Steelers. But I think there is a difference between a hater and someone that's just a little pessimistic. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. I have a question about uh, Keith Butler for you. So, you know, Keith Butler's done a pretty good job since he's been promoted from linebackers coach to the defensive coordinator ranks. And my first question is, when you look at the Steelers' defense from a coaching staff perspective, doesn't it kind of feel to you like it's more of a, I'm trying to word this the right way without kind of making it sound silly, but doesn't it kind of feel like everyone is kind of like chipping in and it's not just one person making the calls? You got Terrell Austin. You've got a lot of experience on the defensive side of hell. Even Mike 
Tomlin was a defensive coordinator. What are your thoughts on the defensive coaching staff and how it's kind of been orchestrated? Do you think Keith Butler is just kind of like the figurehead, or do you think that this is uh, th- this is still his his gig? It gets it's his defense. Dadgummit! I don't know if I can say it any other way. <laughs> um, sorry that <laughs> I it, it it's not like it has to be Keith Butler's defense. All he has to do is manage it all together. What makes a good coach is utilizing other good coaches. So if he's just the guy that's got to step in front of the microphone on Thursdays and he's the guy, whether he's calling the plays or Tom was calling the plays, I don't care who's calling the plays. Okay. As long as they are all on the same page and coming together to formulate a plan, he's probably the guy who's standing up in the meeting when in the defensive coaches meeting while the other guys are sitting down. And that's really probably the only difference. It, it, it's, it's not overly important in, in my eyes, as long as they have the guys that are doing the doing what they need to do as position coaches in order to bring it all together, because it's really tough to, to be a coach that specializes in everything. Even when in my two years, when I was the quote unquote defensive coordinator of, of the team I was coaching, I was still, you know, I was the defensive line coach. If I wanted to know anything about secondary, I'd ask the secondary coach. It was just how it was. So, I mean, I still was making calls and knew how everything was going together, but I wasn't the expert at that at all. And just because Keith Butler might not be the expert in the secondary and he has to rely on Terrell Austin a lot, whether he does or he doesn't, it doesn't matter. What a good coach does is allow other good coaches to be good coaches. Would you say that it was Dick LeBeau's defense when he was the coordinator? Yeah, but I don't know that we, I mean, I'm trying to think back of who was the position coaches when LeBeau was there. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't, you know, as engulfed in the Steelers (laughs) as I am now where I could tell you every coach and every player. I know. I feel, I feel you. But I would say, I, I don't, maybe it's social media and everything else that allows every a little bit more of the inner workings to to come out i don't know how much dick lebeau leaned on certain position group coaches i mean just turn around and look at the offense i mean the the steelers had a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator we found out later who those guys were did we really know how much mike munchak was calling the run game stuff whenever he was in pittsburgh we didn't really know it as much at the time we don't know exactly how lebeau was was breaking all that down all i know is that whatever he did it worked no it's a good point that's a great point and no i yeah i don't remember as much i didn't know the the, the inner workings and details of the team like i do now let's talk about this current team and they have the the chicago bears on monday night football we all know this we're all excited about it What's it going to take, in your opinion, for Zach Banner to be in the starting lineup? Ew. Um, one of two things. An injury or a really bad performance of somebody else. I mean, it would have I don't to be know. really bad, though, right? Like a performance. Like Chooks Okorafor would have to really crap the bed. Uh, prover- you know, proverbial bed. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't say literally. <laughs> That's a whole different type of injury. Have to re- <laughs> yes, it is. He would have to really play horrible for them to, because I mean, right now the offensive line's trending in the right direction, wouldn't you say? Yeah, as a whole, they are tre- trending in the right direction. What someone like Zach Banner brings now is, is well, first of all, I think Chooks performs better under pressure 
and now he's got pressure, even more pressure. So that's good. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't care what it takes, but if that's what he needs to do to keep a hold of that job, fine, do a good job. That is a okay with me. But, but to me, I don't know that it has to be that bad of a performance because I, you know, we're not in practice to see how well Banner's doing. It's just really tough to upset the apple cart at this time when they are trending in that direction. Um, if they have a game or two where they really struggle along the whole line, he could be infused just because they, they need a spark. But until they need that, just... I guess he's just going to keep being there. And there's a good chance that in, in tonight's game that he could be active just because if someone like BJ Finney is, because who's questionable for the game. I mean, at the time we're recording this, he's still questionable. They haven't changed that or, or they haven't promoted anyone from the practice squad. They might carry the extra tackle and he might be there and dressed and ready to go. And then you never know what could happen if that goes down. But at this point it's, it's, it would have to take uh, a struggle or it might not even be a bad injury. If you know what I'm saying, if somebody is, you know, tweak something a little bit, like even BJ Finney, who's questionable for this game. If he was a starter and Zach Banner was there to fill in the position he plays, which this isn't the case at all. I could see, Oh, we're going to go with Banner, but he's just got to be, be there and ready for his opportunity. That's a really good point. And I, I thought it could happen at the bye. I thought that the bye would be a good time to infuse him in there, and it didn't. And I was like, shoot. At this point now, like the bye is in the rearview mirror. You're not getting any other weeks off. It, it, at this point, it's either, like you said, horrible performance or someone gets hurt. And yeah. so we don't want to see either of those happen. But I think mm-hmm. it's, it's safe to say that most fans, rightly so, want to see what Zach Banner can do. But at the same time, if things are going good, I don't want to upset the apple cart like you said. I want to talk about a player on the defensive side. So everyone talks about, you know, the talk, the major players that are being discussed on the defensive side of the ball this year, obviously TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward's playing out of his mind. Devin Bush and Joe Schobert have received their share of criticism. Minka Fitzpatrick has been highly criticized. But there's a player that's been out there that, boy, is this offseason going to be important for him. And that's Terrell Edmonds. Now, the Steelers did not pick up his fifth-year option. That was a financial decision. I firmly believe that. He's already picked up Minka Fitzpatrick's option. You don't want to invest that much money into two safeties for one year. What do you think right now are the odds that the Steelers can somehow get Edmonds? Sure, let me, let me back up. Let me back this truck up. Should they re-sign him based on his play throughout the first you know half of the season or so? There is no half anymore. But still... Uh-huh. There's a half. Yeah, close. Yeah. It's, it's after week nine. You just don't know if you're at buys in the first half or the second half. You don't have right. to say that. Okay, good point. So yeah. based on his play thus far, and do you think they should re-sign him or try to? And what are the odds of him actually getting signed before testing free agency? I don't know that he will sign before testing free agency because as we see more often than not, players think they're worth more than what they are. That's what happens. There is there a market for, for Terrell Edmonds? He might think there's a big market, and there isn't. There's been times where I didn't think there'd be a market for one of the Steelers players, and there was. So I And that happens every year as well. This That could happen with Edmonds. I would say the Steelers are probably going to try to offer him something. He's been up and down this season. Um but at the same time, I'm not, I don't think they're asking them to do the same thing every game. They have a very game specific game plan. And I don't know if, if 
what they're asking him to do in their, in every circumstance is why he might look like he's standing out in more games uh, more than others. Um, maybe he might have a chip on his shoulder. Maybe the Steelers are saying, Hey, we can't afford to have to do fifth year options, not just for two players, but for two players that are in the same position group. So they might've went into this saying, Hey, if you want to test for HD, that's fine. But ultimately we just want to sign you. We just couldn't, we just couldn't do it for both of you. So that's why, so we had to, we had to go with Fitzpatrick. And I mean, I'm sorry, Terrell Edmonds, if you don't realize this, but Mika Fitzpatrick is the, is the higher priority, no matter what. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think they're going to be one of those things where they don't even offer him anything or offer, offer him some, like some insulting contract. Um, but I don't think the last thing they want to do is overpay for him. It's a good point. Good point. Now I did plug this in the first half of the show. And that was that on our post game podcast Sunday, uh, just kind of recap the day that was for the AFC North teams. You made a bold prediction and that was mm-hmm. for Najee Harris to go off. And I was going to give you the floor to kind of explain like the reasoning behind this being your prediction. I hope it comes to fruition, but I'll give you the floor. Go ahead and explain that to the listeners out there. Well, I'm just thinking it, it could just, and honestly, how many times have we as Steeler fans see that the Steelers have a matchup in one certain way, and that's what they need to exploit, and it totally does not go in that direction at all. So I could, you know, this could be one of these things. I really want to see it, and, uh, and it's just con- completely poo-poos on it. But my thought was the Chicago Bears offense is not good. They're last in the NFL when it comes to yardage. Uh, good, good running attack not good otherwise. And that's just not a good scenario um, for, for a team when, when you're constantly losing games to be 32nd in yards going into the, into the week. So there's that aspect of it and the Steelers defense being good and keeping Chicago, if they can keep Chicago off the scoreboard for most of the game, then what do you want to do? You want to run the ball and the offensive line has been really doing significantly better in run blocking. They've been having some nasty streaks and some really driving opponents off the ball. And the bears are they're de- defensive wise. They're not g- very good against the run. They're 25th. So if the, if the whole game situation plays out that way, I would like to see the Steelers just feed Najee the ball, see if they can keep him going. And as long as he's getting the job done, keep doing it. And I think he can, therefore I would love to see him, you know, I, I think I threw a lot. One sixty, one hundred sixty-five yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's the kind of game. I, I, that's the kind of game I'd like to see. So I'm just saying the 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 recipe is there. The question is, are all the ingredients going to come together properly? That's the big question. Now, uh, Dave, just because in case someone didn't hear your prediction on another podcast, what was your score prediction for this game on Monday Night Football? I went with twenty-seven to nine. And. Um, yeah. I think that, I mean, honestly, if you look at the, at the Steelers schedule, if you, this defense is really good at the Steelers. And if there's going to be a game where they could completely shut a team down, this is a game that I could see it happen at home on Monday night football, color rush uniforms, all these other things coming together. Uh, Rookie quarterback who, you know, is who he himself is looking to have a breakout game. So if they can, if they can contain that now there, there are reports um, which haven't been 
confirm yet at this time as we're recording about the return of David Montgomery. I don't, I mean, I haven't heard anything more about that. They're running back yeah. um, from IR. So that, that could be back some for Chicago, which could factor in a little bit, but I just think that if the Steelers ever have a, I'm not going to predict them in a shutout, but I think if they ever had a chance to, to pitch one this season, this would be the game. Yeah, I had 27 to 13. Um, I figured that the Steelers might give up, you know, a late a late score or something like that. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. Dave, I want to thank you for joining us um, and for, you know, just getting us through. This is, a like I said at the beginning of the show, this has a short shelf life, <laughs> this show does. Yeah. Um, but still, nonetheless, I appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, hey, for all my ride or die crew out there, Make sure you check out tomorrow, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. My winners and losers podcast will that, that's going to release to the to the masses. We'll put it that way. And it's just going to be short. My winners and losers. So make sure you check that out. And then I'll be back on Wednesday from the mailbag segment. So pay attention to Twitter tomorrow, Tuesday. Follow me at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. You know what to do. You know the drill. Look for Shooter McGavin, and that's how you find it. All right, folks, that does it for me. Enjoy the game tonight. Make sure you check out the live mic tomorrow. I'll see you on the post-game show after the game late on Monday night. In the meantime, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Here we go.